0: Would you open your hearts and give a real good lakeside welcome to John Gunn, founder of Kids Power Company there in Pontiac. God bless you, John, as you come it. this morning. Uh, I, I don't know, I'm expecting a circus with an introduction like that, you know, like a, like a circus master, you know what I mean? That's great. Thank you, Pastor. you. You are crazy, and I love you because you are. That's what, one of the things I love about you the most. You're, you're a lot of fun to be with, and you're committed to the Lord with all of your heart. Good to see you, Becky. God bless you. Always wonderful to see you. Hey, it's great to be back with you at Lakeside. I really mean that. Your pastor knows me well and knows that if I wasn't happy about being here, I'd just preach. I, I wouldn't say anything. I... Um, I am in a pulpit 35, sometimes 38 Sundays a year, uh, all over this country, and um, I just got to tell you, it's, it's tiring, it's wearying. Uh, people say, boy, I wish I could travel like you, no you don't. It's not, I don't go sightseeing, I, I catch either I'm driving five or six hours, thank God for being local today. And uh, I'll drive if it's five, six, seven hours because it's just too much aggravation to go to the airport, fly in, rent a car, and drive there anyways. You might as well be on your own and listen to some good gospel music and pray and... And at any rate, and then I'll fly, and uh, i, I, I got to say, you know, I, I see a, a, an airport or a, a hotel and then the morning services and uh, sometimes lunch with the pastor, and then I'm back on an airplane. So it's not, it's not fun. It gets old quick. And there are places that I go that I pray I never get asked back. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was telling your pastor... Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, David prayed, Lord, put a guard upon my lips, and he just did. So there we go. We'll move on. <laughs> Let me just say that I am, I'm always happy to come here, and I mean that from my heart, because not only do I get to share what I believe God has put in my heart with you, knowing that you understand, knowing that you care, knowing that you're on board, um, but I'm refreshed, when I'm with you because of your hostility, hospitality, and, uh, and the warmth of your worship and just being able to sit in the presence of the Lord. And so thank you for allowing me to come and be refreshed here with you and because of you as well. On the behalf of uh, thousands of children, literally, that we have ministered to over these years, March will, this coming March will begin our 25th year. And um, let me tell you a little bit what you've invested in, what you have allowed to happen, what you are part and parcel of. Every changed life, every redeemed family, you have a stake in, you have a part in. And the beauty of heaven is that through all eternity, all the missionaries you've supported and adopted like you're going to do again today, people that have been reached as a result of your generosity and your prayers and your sacrifice and your faith will look you up throughout all of time or eternity where time will be no more and they'll thank you. I believe that with all my heart. We're gonna have the mind of Christ there. We're not gonna be limited in our knowledge. We'll know things we don't know now and, and as a result, I believe we'll know those things and people will find you. I wanna find the man that knocked on my grandmother's door in 1919 and shared the gospel uh, with her for the first time that changed the trajectory of our family forever. I want to find that guy. I believe I'll know who he is when I get there and I'm going to look him up. After I see Jesus and I see the loved ones that uh, are gone before me, I want to find that man and thank him for taking the time to share the gospel with my grandmother who lived in Detroit with churches on every corner and never heard the gospel. Let's think about that. And uh, that man articulated the gospel to her and she was saved and But today, as a result of your generosity and your faithfulness in giving, and not only do you give every month to help us, we can count on that every month, but from time to time, every ministry has a situation where there's a a specific need. Each time we've called here at Lakeside, your pastor and the missions board and those responsible have been so kind to come alongside of us and help us with special projects and special needs that we've had and I I just can't thank you enough for that Um, you know there's some places you call and you can't even get to the pastor you know they're so important that you gotta get a hold of Jesus to get a hold of them and um... and 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 there's a few of them that probably good I can't get a hold of because I'd really like to get a hold of them Is that you understand what I mean and, and um, But never like that here, ever. You are just open and kind and gracious and giving. And I'm so grateful because now all of the ministry, the day-to-day activities of the ministry is being completely done by the young men and women that have been saved in grade school, middle school, who are now either in college, graduated college, married, having families of their own. There are, listen to this, 57 young men and women who are committed every week, 15 to 18 hours a week, in addition to their schooling or their job, their career, their families, that give that every single week as volunteers. They're driving the buses. They're doing the visitation. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing all of the lessons and the, and the things that are everyone. 57 of them led by a young man uh, in Pontiac, Dustin McClellan and his wife Colette, started jumping on my bus at a seven years old, and now at 26 is directing and is the director of the Pontiac campus. And uh, under him are 51 young people that are serving who have been saved there as well. It's, it's so interesting because, wonderful, uh, Route 7 was one of the routes that I worked. I worked a morning and an afternoon route for years, and 7, Dustin was saved and came in on that route. He took that route over, and now he's raised up a young man named Daquan, who will graduate high school this year, who is completely responsible for Route 7, while Dustin's opened up a couple of new routes in the city. It's just unbelievable. This is the third generation, I mean, when I say third generation, that, that has come up and is now doing that there that story is being repeated so thank you for that quantel and alicia started with me third fourth grade they're both 28 years of age both also college graduates and they have felt the call of god to open up the campus in the brightmore neighborhood of west detroit and they are there with seven eight nine others that have been raised up in the ministry in pontiac who have opened a campus there in the brightmore neighborhood And uh, we're reaching now there almost 400 children with the gospel of Jesus Christ and their families. We are in the homes, thank you, that's to God be the glory. We are in the homes of over 6,000 people every single week of the year. Rain, shine, sleet, snow, heat, whatever, we're there. And that's being done by this group of volunteers that were children who you helped reach with the gospel when they were children. Who are now serving as volunteers and doing the work of the Lord faithfully. Where we build relationships with the children and then those in that family. Siblings and guardians or grandparents or a single mom. Whatever the case may be. And uh, through those relationships we win them to Christ. Because they know we're there because we love them and we care about them. And... um, we are become part of the family, literally. I can't tell you how many African-American family reunions I go to throughout the year, and people from out of town wonder who the white guy is. <laughs> Who's the white guy with the white hair? And then everybody tells them, oh, that's Pastor Gunn. He's part of our family. And it's just not me. It's our bus captains that also are a part of that. It's a joy and a delight that you give us the freedom to do what we do. So thank you from my heart. Well... You have a guarantee in your bulletin. I couldn't help but read it. It makes me a little nervous. It says, guaranteed, you won't be bored by the preaching. (laughs) Boy, I'm telling you, that really puts the heat on. You know what I'm saying? And I can understand it from your pastor, but I'm a guest. So if I bore you today, will you do me a favor? Don't sue the church for false advertising, okay? (laughs) We really appreciate it. I, 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 uh, I just have a heaviness on me this morning, it's not a bad thing, it's just, uh, do you know that today is International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church, and that um, while the entire focus of our nation is on Tuesday, that is really not the most important day. That honestly, from my heart, without being overly dramatic, I don't mean, but from my heart, what we're doing today is the most important day of this year. Because what we're doing today... After the election is over, I don't know if either one of them are going to help the economy. I don't really know if jobs are going to increase. I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of things. I don't know. But God knows. And he's in charge. And he's on the throne. And he can raise one up and take one down. And God's the one. And I, that's where my faith is. Well, people are pulling their hair out, you know, and just, uh, and just beside themselves. And they're following the polls. And they're just... And you know what? He gives his beloved sleep. And I sleep at night. And uh, I get up in the morning knowing that whatever happens Tuesday, God is still on the throne. That's not a cliche. That, that, that's not, that's not a, 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 a sentimentality. That's a reality in my life. I, I don't put my faith in men. I don't put my faith in political parties. I don't put my faith in generous motors. I don't put my faith in other things. I put my faith in God. And he is in divine control of my life and your life and the life of this nation and the world. And uh, nothing takes place that doesn't cross his desk. He's aware of it all. But today, ladies and gentlemen, today, church family, this is a day when after the polls have closed and the election is over, after this nation has crumbled and fallen away, what we do today is for eternity. What we do today will never falter and never fail. What we do today will stand forever as a monument to the glory of God as we're building a city not made with hands but we're building a country a church a fellowship made of the precious souls of men and women and we have the opportunity today to invest when I think of those who are, who are having their heads cut off and being burned alive and their children brutalized and murdered in front of them because they refuse to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ throughout the Middle East I tell you today that my heart is broken as we in America America lives so lavishly, so, 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 uh, uh, nonchalantly so unaware of the brutalization that's taking place for fellow believers around this country as well as in our own nation the little babies that i work with and the children that i serve that are twenty minutes away from you either in detroit or in in pontiac that that live under such dire circumstances since being with you last i've buried a number of them again a nine-year-old boy samarian who hung himself and his sister found him. what is going through the mind and heart and soul of a nine-year-old that they hang themselves and take their life because they can't face another moment. What's going on when a mother can kill two of her children and order the remaining two survivors to take the bodies down and put them in a freezer and to leave them there while the two older children live in that house knowing their siblings are in the freezer in the basement day in and day out. What in the world? How does a child that comes out of that thing ever make it, ever survive, ever have a future, ever get their mind straight it's only by the grace of god the word of god and the people of god that they can ever have relief and and ever be saved and ever have a future and that's what you're doing today you're doing that for millions of people around the world because your finances are building churches and bible colleges and planting churches and Printing Bibles and material that's training indigenous people to take the gospel into their own nation and and you're raising up workers here and at home and you're rescuing children and their families that's what you're doing today it's about eternity it's about what God has raised us up and saved us to do and to become do you know that God has created you for a special purpose, that you are created uniquely, and that you have a, an assignment on this earth that no one else can fulfill. You know, so often we tend to think that's for the pastor, the preacher, the missionary, the event, whatever, but it's not everyone. Think about the creativity of our awesome God. I am told by scientists that there are no two snowflakes that are alike and it's been snowing for thousands of years can you imagine the creativity of a God who can continue to bring the snow have you considered Job said the treasures of the snow and it falls and there's no two snowflakes alike think about that no two grain of sands on the beaches of this world are the same do you know that with 7 billion people on the planet today and all of those who have come and gone that no one has your fingerprints, you are unique in that way. I can't even fathom the creativity, the awesomeness of a God who can continue to create things that are completely unique and unlike anything that's ever come before it. Unbelievable, amazing that he can do that. And so you are created unique with a special assignment from the Almighty, the psalmist said, You, O oh God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the womb in utter seclusion as i was woven together in the darkness you saw me before i was born every day of my life is recorded in your book think about that every moment was laid out before a single day had passed how precious are your thoughts about me O god they cannot be numbered i can't even count them they outnumber the grains of sand. Isn't it wonderful and comforting to know today that God's thoughts about you cannot be numbered and his thoughts toward you are not one of frustration or anger or impatience. It is a, it, his thoughts toward you are precious. Hallelujah. That you are the apple of his eye. And while we sit here understanding and knowing that and embracing that and, and reveling in the warmth and comfort of that, there are three and a half billion people people in our world that have never known that they do not know that they don't understand that they've never experienced that and have yet to hear that there is a God who made them special and created them for a specific purpose and has a destination for them called himself hallelujah for all of eternity they are heaven's most wanted and you and I today are on the trail of those whose posters are all over the corridors of heaven as heaven's most wanted listen to me the greatest need that we have in gospel work is not money i'm going to say it again it's not money now listen i we need money where right now, every missionary I know, they need money. We need money to print Bibles. We need money to build Bible colleges. We need money to plant churches. We need money to reach the lost. We need money to put gas in the buses. We need money to pay the insurance bill. Yes, we need money. There's no question. It's a tool. It's a, it's a means of commerce, yes. But what we need most is what Jesus taught us to pray. He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send laborers into the harvest. For the harvest is white and the laborers are few. That's what we need. And it's one thing to clap. And please, I don't mean to take away your enthusiasm, but let's not just clap. Let's rise to the task and say, Lord, let it be me. Here am I, Lord. Send me, send me. I'm not a bumper sticker guy. I really am not. I hate bumper stickers. Never had one on my car. Hate them. But I saw one I kind of liked a little bit. It said, if you love Jesus, tithe. Anybody can honk. I like that one a little bit. I like it a lot. But I'm not going to put it on my car. If we love Jesus, let's clap, but let's also go. Let's also obey. True happiness, true fulfillment in life can only be found, listen to me, in doing what you were created and born to do do you know that? That true happiness, happiness that comes from within, not dependent on outward circumstances, not dependent on whether we've lost money in the stock market, whether we've lost our job, whether uh, whether we may lose our home, whether one of our children are dying, whether our spouse is ill. Happiness doesn't come from the true happiness comes from within. It comes from understanding and knowing what you were created to do and fulfilling that towards the glory of God. Do you know that the human soul is the most difficult thing to ever satisfy. We can look over history in in, in the last, just recent history, and we see people that we knew that seemed to have it all by the standards of this world. Elvis Presley, who would rent out entire amusement parks just so he could have his privacy with his family. I mean, he seemed to have everything at his doorstep, but what was missing? What was, it was that human soul that reached out for this and it didn't satisfy, and so it reached out for that and it didn't satisfy, and he thought for sure this would do it, but when he got to the pinnacle, he was so disappointed over and over and over again. And the scripture says that God satisfies the longing soul, hallelujah. He fills the hungry soul with good things. Before I was saved, I reached for this, like so many of you, and reached for that and sought this and sought the other thing. This insatiable, fallen human nature of mine thought that if I could get enough of this or enough of that or the other thing, that some how I would be satisfied and fulfilled and how empty I came up every time until Jesus came hallelujah and he rescued me and he filled me with himself and now hallelujah I don't only worship him for my limited understanding of who he is but I worship him today for all that he knows himself to be which passes all of my understanding God satisfies the cravings of the human soul and I think of how many millions are out the doors and walls of this congregation today who have continually seeking after those things that will satisfy and all they need is a word from us all they need is a scripture from us all they need is a life lived faithfully for God before them in the marketplace in the school wherever it may be all they need is is for the finances that we're going to give today to reach the hands of those who are out in the field so that they can continue to win them to Jesus Christ and satisfy the longing of that human soul the great men and women of the bible understood that they were created for a specific task that only they could do i've heard pastors and preachers and evangelists say down through the years pastor you've heard it well if you don't do it uh, god will raise up someone who will what if he doesn't how do we know that how do we know that if you don't do it, if I don't do it, God will? How do I know that if I didn't go and obey God's call to leave a church as a lead pastor after 25 years and go to work with children that I don't even like? I'm kidding. I've never worked with children. I, I didn't know what to do with children. And now I've got hundreds and hundreds of children. Saturday we had over 800 children in Pontiac. Session. I, I'm like, what? I don't know what to do with children. You know, so, so I, I mean, and yet God, what, what if I would have not gone and thought, well, God will raise someone else. And what if he hadn't? And how many of those lives would be damned eternally and their families? Listen, don't, there's no guarantee that if you don't do it, God will raise somebody up. And I don't want to stand before God banking on someone else doing what he made me and created me to do. Noah knew Finally, why he was created. When God said you're to build this vehicle, this monstrosity for the saving of your family and those that will hear you as you preach for the next 120 years. Moses knew God had created him to lead Israel out of bondage and into the promised land. I mean Esther, that beauty queen, knew that God had brought her to the kingdom for such a time as this. Her life was created for the day she stood before the king and pleaded on the behalf of her entire people. God has made you specifically for a work that only you can do. Now before you think it always has to be something great and grandiose, it may be something just as simple as marrying the individual you did and bringing a child into the world that will be the next Billy Graham. See, Mom, you might be staying at home. Maybe you're not out in the workforce, and you're home, and you think, well, my life isn't significant. I don't have a career. I don't. There's so many things the enemy lies to us about. But you see, you may be that one and that child that you, maybe you were created simply to be the vehicle through which God would bless the world like Mary, hallelujah, and, and like, uh, like Hannah and, and, and so many other of the mothers of the scripture that God used as a vehicle to bring a champion into the world that would defend his people and bring them out of bondage. And you may be carrying, you may be raising, you may be directing and reading the scriptures too. Like John Newton whose mother Read him the scriptures from the time he was a small boy and whose life he rebelled and went out in debauchery and was a, not only a part of the slave trade but became one of the slaves himself, lashed to a mast of his captain's ship for days at a time. And God redeemed that man and saved him. And he wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You may be raised that next John Newton that next Billy Graham that next pastor like yours that's going to build a great church and win people in that area to the Lord Jesus Christ but I'll tell you this you were made and created by God for a specific purpose that only you can fulfill Jesus himself understood that as he stands in the praetorium before Pilate and Pilate questions him Jesus says to him, for this cause was I born, for this purpose I came into the world. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, you must take up your cross and commit yourself to the will of God. Listen, the mission field needs more than money, it needs you. You, young person, you dad, you mom, you're never too old, you're never too old. We have such a crazy idea of what the cross is. People talk to each other, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm bearing my cross, and they mean their spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Or their kid, their teenager, their boss, their neighbor, their illness, their sickness, their financial situation, that's their cross. That's not your cross, that's life, that's called life, it's called life. And if you're married to your cross, you should have chosen better. <laughs> and now you can pray more. John Wesley, who married an ungodly woman, God called him into ministry, he said, I thank God for my ungodly wife. She keeps me on my knees. Take that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> but that is not your cross. When Jesus came into the world he stood before Pilate and said for this purpose was I born, for this cause came I into the world what he meant was God's will for me God's will for me to come into the earth for me to take on human form for me to walk this sod was to bear a cross to die as the sinless sacrifice and shed my innocent blood for the salvation and the redemption of the world that is what he meant by the cross God's will, so when he says to you and I, you take up your cross, you can translate it. This is what he means. You take up God's will for your life and follow me. You become as committed to God's will for your life as I was committed to God's will for my earthly life. And he, because he knows you were born and brought into this world and made specifically and uniquely for a task that only you can do. Now it doesn't mean that you're going to be a preacher or a, or, or, or a missionary or, or, or uh, you know a Bible school. It doesn't, we always think in those terms. And that's why the world is outpacing us in going to hell as opposed to going to heaven. Because we're leaving it up to what we call the few who are in places of leadership. I have a doctor, my doctor. A pediatrician and an internist. Who was a 14 year old kid living in pontiac started coming he's my doctor now he's also very well respected in beaumont and in also the mclaren and oversees the uh, uh the entire uh, clarkston medical center he's the president of that he has consulted over and over again here's a young man that god redeemed brought out of bond saved him delivered him and he takes care of me and I remember the, the conversations we had. I remember the conversations we had at 18 years of age, graduating from high school. Now the time came for his selection of college. Battling between whether he's called to the ministry or called to be a physician. What did God And finally he went and to U of M and he, he's a wonderful doctor. This man is taking care of so many of our children. He takes care of those who can't afford health care. He's built orphanages in India. He supports missionaries. He's printing Bibles and beliefs. I mean, this is a man that God made to do what he's doing. And on every one of his emails to his colleagues, to his patients, to his suppliers, to everybody, everyone at the bottom of it says in Christ alone I place my trust that goes to Muslims it goes to Hindus it goes to atheists it goes to unbelievers it goes to agnostics it goes to those who are against the church and every one of them they read his email at the bottom of it everyone in Christ alone I place my trust be what God made you to be I can't help but think of James Dobson 80 years old unbelievable that he's that old now and uh, is that old? No. Isn't it amazing how that old is always like 20 years from where we're at? I used to think 64 was old. Now 84 is getting there. Those of you that are 84, 100 is old to you. You know what I mean? It just keeps moving upward. Well, James Dobson, listen to me, a psychologist. A psychologist. And yet God didn't raise him up to be just a psychologist. God raised them up to be the conscience of God's people throughout America and to help and to guide the progress and mental capacity of the church for God and for good. Look how the Lord has used him. Be what God made you to be. You've all heard the story, perhaps, uh, I say you all, that's, a, that's an assumption, but uh, many of you have heard the story of Eric Liddell, the, the, the chariots of fire, the runner from Great Britain, the man who said, God made me to run. Yeah. First time I heard that, I thought, how ridiculous is that? you got to be kidding me. With all the people dying and going ahead and God made you to run, that's what he made you for? That's how dumb we are when we begin to criticize other people without knowing why God made him to run God made him to run but that wasn't why God made him God created him to run so that he could take a public stand in front of the whole world for the glory of God And no matter what his desires were for his personal achievements, what does Jesus say? If you save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And I don't know how many other Olympic winners there are, but the name of Eric Liddell is still living on today because he took a public stand for the glory of God. And God made him to run to bring him to a place where the focus was on God Almighty. Be what God made you to be. I think of Frederick Douglass. Born a slave. Educated. One of the great statesmen of his day. And led the abolitionist movement to free slaves from the horror of their bondage. I think of Martin Luther King who at his own great personal risk took a stand during a horrible day and time in the nation of this, uh, in, in, uh, of this nation and stood to free people not only from the slavery there but from being second-class citizens, being looked down upon. Being, and, and let me tell you something. He became what God wanted him to be so that God could do a work in the heart of this nation. There are so many others we could talk about but i'm telling you listen maybe god raised you up to make money because money's needed in the kingdom david green founder of hobby lobby an assemblies of god layman is a christian billionaire who builds bible college supports missionaries principal i mean this guy is one of the most generous you say well he can afford to be he gives so much out of proportion, more than what you and I do. Because God has blessed him. And the Bible says if God has called you to be a giver, if that's his ministry and through you and you are, then do it cheerfully. Once we know God's will for our lives, the next thing we have to do is commit to it. Listen to this. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. If you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give it up for my sake, you'll save it. Taking up your cross is the will of God. Now, interesting, isn't it, that Peter is the one who says you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, no man taught you that. My father revealed that to you. Moments later, when Jesus starts talking about going to the cross, Peter rebukes him, reprimands the Savior, and says, you're not ever going to do that. That isn't going to happen. And Jesus said to him, listen to this, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Because you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. That's the trap, ladies and gentlemen. That's the trap, Lakeside family. The trap is for us to look at things from a merely human point of view. May God give us eyes to see. May God give us eyes to see today. Three billion people in our world live on $2 a day. They would be thrilled. The children we minister to in South Africa, yes, we're there too, Durban, North, North Durban, South Africa, where we're ministering to thousands of children in the squatter camps who are dying of AIDS, starving to death, living in shacks and huts that are washed away by a rainstorm or a fire that can sweep through at a moment's notice. Children with no birth certificates, therefore they can't go to school. We have full-time people that give themselves and their very lives to obtaining birth certificates, getting them enrolled in school, buying their school, uniforms, paying their school fees, feeding them so they can rise up and become everything that God created them to be. I pray that God will open our eyes this morning, that we will not look at things from a mere human standpoint but that we will see through the eyes of the spirit who knows that there are 3 billion people in this world that live in such abject poverty and I know what can bring them up and out and it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah and and can bring them out of their darkness can bring them out of their sins and allow them to realize the purpose for which they were created and made I'm almost done now. Don't say amen if you didn't say it earlier. It's not a good time. Once we know God's will, what we're created and born to be and do, this doesn't mean anything. I just do it to make you feel good. I don't think it's worked in six months. I'm, <laughs> not that I've preached that long but my kids used to say oh dad's preaching put your watch down and get out your calendar you know so <laughs> once we know God's will what we're, we were created for what we were created to do if we don't do it if we don't do it We can continue to go to church and do religious things and end up missing God by a million miles. Go back to Numbers 14 and look at Israel. They came to the brink of the promised land. They refused to go in. And God said, you'll die in the wilderness. Every one of you except Joshua and Caleb. And because they saw every day for 40 years the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night, they thought God was with them for their good. Think about that. Just because you can sit and listen to a choir like we did today and and feel a little emotional doesn't mean you're right with God. Just because when someone prays a fervent prayer, you get stirred within your heart somewhat, it doesn't mean you're right with God. Just because a preacher can preach and you can enjoy a a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost preacher you might see on TV or at some kind of an evangelistic meeting doesn't mean you're right with God. Be thankful you can still feel Him. Israel followed what they thought was God's presence, but it was not for their good. That fiery pillar at night and that cloud by day was leading them to their very death until every one of their bones bleached in the wilderness and a new generation was taken into the promised land. Think about that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven And so Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. If you hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We can sit here today together And know why God made us and what He has for us to do. But three and a half billion people, and some of them right on your street, still don't know that. That's what today is all about. It's about us. I don't know whether God's called you to be a doctor or an attorney or a missionary or or, or, or a teacher that can influence the lives of children from your Christian viewpoint and and your relationship. I don't know what God has called you to be, a nurse, someone who can help my car continue to run, or let me say our buses continue to run. Maybe God has made... I don't know what God's made you to do. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you a couple of things I know for sure. God created you to give your life to his purpose and cause and let your job be a way of putting a roof over your head, feeding your family and taking care of those because to not do it, you're worse than an infidel, the Bible says. But God has also given you that opportunity and placed you here so that the three and a half billion people outside the walls of His church, some of them right here in Sterling Heights and the surrounding area can know that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he carried his cross. He bore the cross. He was nailed to that cross. And as he was nailed to that cross, their sins, my sins, your sins were nailed to the cross, never to be remembered against us again. And today there's full pardon, there's full restoration, there's newness of life. Everyone who receives him can become a new creation in God and end up in a destination that was created just for them, which is heaven. And make it their home and here today we have the opportunity we've raised 2.1 million 20 thousand dollars to beautify the edifice to add more room to have a better tool whereby we can reach out into our community and win more here but I'll tell you what a thrill it would be to God if for the first time in the history of this church we'd pass the half million mark that said hey it's good that we're going to spend the money for us here and for the people that we live next door to and labor next door to and work with and go to school with and hallelujah but wouldn't it be wonderful for a half a million dollars plus to come in today which would be a quarter of the budget of this church annually and say it's going outside the doors it's not for our pews it's not for air conditioning it's not for our light bill it's for the lost around the world the three and a half billion that still need to hear about Jesus Christ that's what we're here today for that's what today is all about we're here to do business with God who is willing to do exceeding and abundantly above what we can ask or think, join us today in crossing over and making a greater commitment than ever of our lives because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us that he takes our resources, our treasures, our time, our talent, our very lives that they're poured out for the salvation of this world. Thank you for having me this morning and thank you for helping me reach the lost. Oh God, oh God. Oh God!